morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Morning Dump, a fantasy baseball podcast. You are now entering the Week 7 Report. Let's get started with some recent action. First up, Adley Rutsch. Number one prospect on the pipeline and a pump on last week's episode, as it sounded like his call-up was near. He did in fact debut for the O's this past Saturday, and the lefty whipped a triple to right for his first major league hit. Welcome to the big leagues, Rutsch. Had the crowd going wild for him. A couple other prospects called up this past week. Nolan Gorman, number 23, and Matthew Liberator, number 39, both made their debuts for the cards last week. Gorman at second base, while Libertor is a pitcher. Gorman came out strong with a double as his first hit, and he's gone four for nine with two doubles in his first three outings. Must add in my opinion, but we'll get to that a little later. Lib, not as exciting of a debut. He gave up four runs and 4.2 innings to the Pirates, but definitely one to keep an eye on after posting solid numbers in the minors, and finally getting a call up on a team that is not so deep when it comes to pitching. Also on Saturday, DJ LeMahieu of the Yanks officially hit 10 years of MLB service time. Celebrated it in epic fashion by smashing a grand slam for the team, helping them secure victory over the White Sox. A little more exciting Yankee news, Anthony Rizzo knocked his 10th homer last week to join Judge and Stanton with double digits on the season. That makes them the only team, as I mentioned last week, still with multiple players to do so, heading into Sunday. And finally, quick shout out to Trevor Story, who's been on a tear over the past two weeks as one of the most productive players in the league with 12 hits, 12 runs, 6 homers, 18 RBIs, and 4 steals. If you bought low after the first cold month, well done. Moving on, let's see what we got for the streams of the week. Monday, May 23rd. How about Catman James Capriellian at Seattle? 7% owned on Yahoo and 3% on ESPN. After a shaky and understandable first start of the year upon returning from injury, his last three have not been too shabby. He's gone five innings at least in each of them, totaling 16, with a 2.81 ERA, a 1 whip, and 14 Ks. Cap was solid last year with just above a 4 ERA and a 1-2 whip and just over a K per inning. Most of the heat came early, so likely fatigue kicked in during his rookie season as he posted over 120 innings. But there's room for improvement with this guy, and he's one to keep your eye on. He's 32nd on the year for hard contact percentage, and he's got a nice two-star week ahead with Texas at home on Saturday. Higher-owned player, but likely available, Chad Cool, also got his former Pittsburgh team on the road and what should be an easy bounce-back matchup for him after a few rough starts. He's been rage-dropped a bit, down to a more appropriate 35% ownership based on his career numbers and having cores as his home park, but he had an outstanding start to the year and should be able to perform on the road in this one if he's available. Tuesday, George Kirby, at home versus Oakland. 56% on Yahoo and 30% on ESPN. This is more so for ESPN managers with respect to streaming, but in both formats, he has been dropped severely after his last two starts. Got knocked around hard in both. 
and if he's been made available in your league, immediate must-add. Dude's a top prospect and should absolutely not be given up on yet. Those two bad outings came against two of the best in the league in the Mets in Boston. Meanwhile, he crushed the elite Tampa in his debut and has only walked two batters through his first three starts. It's a much nicer matchup here against Oakland, and he's more than a stream. If you can get him, hold him. Two lesser-owned options for Tuesday? Neither have great matchups, but if you're desperate, Pavetta, pitching for Boston, has been electric, letting up just two runs over his last three starts. All quality, including his latest, which was a complete game against Houston. Also, Dane Dunning is putting together a solid season for Texas, with a 3.92 ERA and a 1-2-1 whip, with almost a K per inning. Enter at your own risk, but Kirby's for sure my favorite long-term. Wednesday. Reed Detmers, Mr. Solo No-No. I'm rolling with him again this week at home versus Texas. He's 22% on Yahoo and 12% on ESPN. Partially choosing him because I don't like anybody else available on Wednesday. But also I think this is a good redemption game for him. And for me, as I had him on the streaming list last week and he did not show up. Following the no-no, I recommended him on the road last week. Also against Texas. Didn't go so great. He only lasted 3.2 innings pitched. Let up three hits, two for homers, and three runs. But, uh, you know, maybe there were some jitters heading into this one. Coming off the first solo no-no of the season, he got a lot of attention. All eyes on him heading into this next matchup. You know, they say the game's 80-20, mental-physical. He's not a big K guy, but still sporting a respectable 4.15 ERA and .89 whip on the season. And I like his chances in this one to settle back down at home with a rematch against Texas. You don't just get put on that top prospect list for nothing. Thursday. We're looking at the Cubs at the Reds matchup. I like both pitchers in this one. You know I'm a fanboy of Hunter Green. Well, he's still only 39% owned on Yahoo and 29% on ESPN. Closing him on the mound, Justin Steele, only 9% owned Yahoo and 4% on ESPN. Both of them coming off of two really strong outings. It's actually three for Green. Green had a no-no going through seven innings with nine Ks versus Pittsburgh, and then he came out and threw six innings versus Toronto with only two walks, six Ks, both games surrendering just one run. Meanwhile, Steele faced Arizona twice through 11 innings with 19 Ks, under a one whip, and just one earned run. Green's certainly the better long-term hold, and to me this is one of your last chances to get on board. And now we all know his velocity's off the charts, easily sitting at 100 miles per hour with the fastball but not getting as much attention as that slider. He's manipulating it in the mid-80s with a ton of movement to get away from batters, while also throwing it in the low 90s, keeping it closer to them. And that's led to him generating double-digit whiffs with it in his past two starts, accounting for five of the six Ks versus the Jays. You mix that in with that fastball? Dude is a terror for batters. If wins and losses count for a lot in your league, maybe you stay away, as his run support is non-existent which has led to him having one of the worst records in the league at 1-6. But this guy's the real deal in an easy stream Thursday. As for Steele, he's still just a guy that you'll be looking for in good matchups, like his last two versus Arizona, and this is certainly a good one versus Cincy, but we shouldn't sleep on that 3.63 expected ERA of his. He might find himself on this list more and more as the season goes on. Friday, Cole Irvin, at home versus Texas. 10% Yahoo and 13% ESPN. He's coming off an IL stint, but was putting together a respectable season prior. He went at least five innings in all five of his starts. 
two of them quality, with a 2.93 ERA and a 1.16 whip. He's also not a big K guy. He's got his first game back to the mound on Sunday, May 22nd. I'm recording this beforehand, but hopefully he shakes off all the rust in that one and is ready to deal on Friday. If he gets blown up on Sunday and you don't feel like rocking with him, another option is Brad Keller. He could potentially turn things around on the tail end of a back-to-back versus Minnesota. He's let up 22 hits for 12 runs across his last three, which is why he's not my pick for Friday. But he has continued to go deep into games with seven in each of his last two, making six out of eight quality starts on the year. Still sporting a solid 2.89 ERA and a 101 whip, but I wouldn't blame you for staying away on Friday. Saturday, Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers at Arizona. His ownership has spiked quite a bit, 32% on Yahoo, 25% on ESPN. He's 4-0 on the season, as many Dodger pitchers do. Great record with the run support. Killed Arizona last time out with 7 innings pitched, 7 Ks, 2 earned runs, and no walks. And he's been lights out on the walks all year, helping him achieve a 109 whip and securing his position of 18th in walk percentage. He's also 26th on swinging strike percentage and 23rd on hard contact. With two quality starts in a row and only having given up more than two runs once the whole year, in a blow-up game versus Philly as many do, he's an easy pick at Arizona this week. And he also has a nice start against Washington on Monday. And Sunday. Took a closer look at Dane Dunning, who I mentioned earlier, at Oakland. 14% Yahoo and 9% on ESPN. He's sitting on a 3.92 ERA and a 1-2-1 whip. And that's come against stellar competition in the bigs. First eight matchups. Toronto, Angels, Mariners, Houston, Braves, Yankees, Boston, and again against the Angels. He's sitting on a decent 23.5K percentage. But even better is the 53 ground ball percentage, 23rd in the league. His top three pitches, the sinker, slider, and changeup, generate a ton of movement both vertically and horizontally, a couple of them in the top five and top 15 in the league. This guy's definitely an intriguing one for his potential long-term value. Now let's get on to some pumper dumb. Rookie batters I mentioned earlier, Rutch and Gorman, Easy pumps for their upside based on performances as prospects. If they're still available in your league, must add. Heading into Sunday's games, Rutch is up there around 70%, but his call-up was more known. Gorman is still only 57% in Yahoo and only 22 in ESPN. Higher on second baseman in ESPN I dumped for Gorman. Profar, Kike, Lux, Estrada, easily. As for ESPN, where he's more owned and third base eligible instead of second, dumping Chapman, who picked up right where he left off last year, even Moncada and Brian Hayes. And that's not to say I would immediately drop Moncada and Hayes for him. There's surely a worse utility player on your team that you could drop to get Gorman. That's just to speak on how much I like this kid. I do think rest of season he's going to outproduce both of them. Another prospect I'm pumping hard, Shane Baz. He's just under 70% owned in ESPN and Yahoo, and this guy's an easy ad if he's available in your league. Makes me think about Luis Castillo, who was over 90% owned prior to returning from his injury. And if people can make room for him, there's no reason Baz shouldn't be treated the same. He is arguably the best and most polished pitching prospect in the game, sitting at 10th on the top 100, been compared to Cole with respect to his ceiling, and for good reason. He already spent some time in the bigs, was trusted to start Game 2 of the ALDS for Tampa. And a cool stat I saw on his player card, 
He's one of just 12 pitchers to throw 100 fastballs while averaging 97-plus miles per hour with 11.4 inches of movement. On that list with him, Cole, DeGrom, and Chapman. The man has a chance to be an absolute game-changer for your team. I'd try buying low right now. Maybe you could sell it that there's risk coming off of his elbow injury. And he's an easy stash expected to return in about two weeks. There were some worries about his innings heading into the year, but getting started in June, he's got a chance to pitch most of the remaining fantasy season for you with, what, maybe 120 innings left? Next up, Riley Green. 17% on Yahoo and 5% on ESPN. Currently sitting at number three on the top 100, he crushed the ball in the minors in spring training. Was definitely in line to start the season before fracturing his foot and was forced to miss the year so far as a result rehabbing. But he just started up with interest squad games for the Tigers at their spring training facility and is at most a couple weeks out from returning. I saw a report on his ESPN player card that they might activate him even sooner if they're happy with his progress over the next week. If you have the space to stash this guy, another potential game changer for your lineups. So let's cap this one off as we always do with the fleece of the week. Thanks again to everybody who's been coming out on the Trade Talk Reddit thread that I post every week. Been lots of great conversation in there, people helping each other out, bragging about deals, and sharing all the details about how they came out on top. First up, let's talk about a deal that was offered to user Andrew Grabber. He said, help a newbie. My Joe Ryan and Logan Gilbert for Bryce Harper, 10-team 5x5 Roto League, and he has Baz and DeGrom as stashes. Could use some outfield help as well. Andrew, I say, grab that Harper immediately. Fire a freaking bazooka at the accept button and buy a phone with the winnings. In this deal, you're talking about acquiring by far the best player. He's a five-category player, one of the most valuable OFs in the game, and first-round talent when it comes to fantasy. Meanwhile, you're selling high on two very young pitchers, off to fantastic starts, but neither has pitched a full season. Ryan debuted last year with just 26.2 innings of Major League Ball, while Gilbert also debuted with 119.1. What does that say? Lots of risk in their abilities to perform at the elite levels that they are right now come second half of the season and especially come fantasy playoff time. Meanwhile, Baz is coming back, as I mentioned, ready to pitch the rest of the way, and he'll be a fine replacement for either one of those guys, while you can stream for the other until DeGrom gets back. So I think that's a rock-solid sell-high on the hot starts of Ryan and Gilbert. Even if they do continue to produce the way they have, you go get yourself the most proven player in the deal, improve your team, and keep rocking with this pod to figure out who to stream while you're waiting for DeGrom to get back. I got you, bro. Next up, user Jam2K9 says, I recently traded Jeremy Pena for Eloy Jimenez. I already have Wanda Franco on my roster. It's a 16-team head-to-head categories league with 9x9 categories, while you keep 12 players for as long as you want. He says, I think Eloy has more offensive upside into the future. Just gotta hope he figures out how to stay healthy. I'm very curious what people think of this one. Across the board, you'll find Eloy Jimenez as a higher-ranked dynasty player. But you see Eric Cross's dynasty rankings just got updated in May. And he's got Pena up there around 125 with Eloy who fell to the mid-60s from around 30. 
You look at the career stats of Eloy, his slash line is 268, 314, and 499, adding up to an 813 OPS. That's pretty mediocre. Eloy had a lot of buzz his rookie year. He hit 31 homers in 468 at-bats, but there have been a handful of injuries mixed into that career. We saw him miss most of the season last year, and he went down early this year for about eight weeks. The return could be enormous. He gets back to being a potential 40-plus home run caliber player. Got a long career ahead of him. Mashing balls. You know, I was high on him coming into the season. I, I picked him to lead the league in home runs. And I still think I would rather have Eloy. But boy, do I like Pena. This kid's become a fixture in the Houston lineup. He had a solid minor league career with an 815 OPS of his own, 291 batting average. Stole some bags. Didn't seem to hit for that much power. But he had an outstanding spring training this year as he stepped in to take over for Correa's departure. And he's already hit seven home runs on the season with a 279 average. 338 OBP and 508 slugging for an 846 OPS. And he stole three bags too. I mean, this kid looks like the real deal. He was a steal on draft day. If he was taken at all on draft day, it was likely in one of the later rounds. I could really see this one going either way. Raw value, yeah, Eloy probably edges him out. But I'm very interested to see what happens with these two long term. Tell me who you prefer in this one. Hit me up on IG and Twitter, at MorningDFantasy. Feel free to email me also, morningdfantasy at gmail.com. Let me know about any other deals you're considering pulling. I'm happy to offer some advice. Or feel free to submit your deal to get a shout out on the show next week. I'm also really curious if there's anything else you'd like me to include in the show. Please do share. Really appreciate you all for tuning in. Thank you for the support. Tell your friends if you've been rocking with me. And I'll catch you all next week. Good luck week seven. And remember... Can't have your coffee without the morning dump.